Welcome to Switcher Chats, music interviews brought to you by Music Matters with Carol Craig Harris and Music Tribes Unite. Welcome, everybody. I have a special guest today. My good friend Fiona Ross is coming to us from London at her lovely home, which I've stayed at quite a few times. <laughs> and uh, Fiona has a really interesting background. Um, as an educator, uh, jazz vocalist, composer, journalist, I mean, many, many different hats. And uh, I thought you would love to learn more about uh, Fiona. How are you doing, Fiona? Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's so good to see you and talk to you. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I was going to London. So I can say, I know we follow each other on social media, but I haven't, like, seeing you is, it's a joy. Yeah, we normally, when, I, when I'm in London, um, so you actually live in North Greenwich, which is kind of a suburb of London, I guess you would say. Yeah, I'm near um, Greenwich, you know, the meantime, all the rest of it. So yes, and you do always want to stay with me, which is lovely. It's really a neat area. And uh, and actually down by the, uh, the railway station, or I should say the, the tube station near your house is actually the O2 Arena is there. It is, although that's, that's been shut for a while because of COVID. Yeah, of course. <laughs> How have you been doing during COVID? I mean, I, I guess you've been writing and, and I mean, you're doing, you said you do a lot of journalistic activities that really hasn't stopped that much. Maybe you're doing, how are you doing your interviews? How is that all working for you? It's all, I have to say since lockdown, I've been um, busier. It's just a different type of busy. I mean, it's been completely right. crazy. Um, but yeah, my journalism, for example, that's stepped up a gear because obviously everyone's been at home. <laughs> so, right. you, know, yeah. that, you know, accessing people, which is, is always a challenge, you, you know this, from interviewing. Yeah. Um, everyone's been stuck at home, like m- mostly across the world. Um, yeah. So, yeah. A- and also lots of musicians contacting me for reviews of music. So, yeah, the journalism mm-hmm. stuff has really stepped up a gear. Uh, and yes, I'm working on my next album. So was busy writing and uh, starting to record and so on. So yeah, it's mm. it's it's been. I've been very fortunate. I have to say, I know many people who haven't, but I've I've been very fortunate. So I've been yeah, crazy busy. Right, and you actually, I mean, that's one thing with you. You're always doing a bunch of different things. And um, let's talk about a little bit about how you got your start because I I know the story, but I think it's really fun. And I, you were kind of a theater kid, right? I was a theater kid. Yeah, I had a crazy kind of stage mom. You know the film. Gypsy with uh, Natalie Wood. Yeah, my mum was like, and it's not even, she was absolutely like this. So I've been, yeah, the the minute I could walk, I was kind of put into dance lessons and singing lessons and acting lessons. So yeah, I think my first professional job, I was about two. Uh, I I don't remember it. (laughs) But yeah, so I was brought up and and the main aim was the theatre world. Um, so right. that was what my initial training was. Uh, so yeah, so I did West End. And- so you know exactly, you know exactly where I'm going with this. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually, you actually, uh, in, when you were in, in those, those early years, you actually, um, got a major role on the, the West End British, British Broadway, essentially. So tell us about that, how that happened and, and the role. Yeah, I will. Obviously, I don't know if you can tell from the camera. Uh, and obviously, but older, but yes, I, I have a, a, a natural ginger, curly hair. Right. So that was a, a kind of a specific look, if you guess, especially as a child, you know, ginger kids with freckles. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I was Annie. So I was Annie in the West End. Um, yeah. I, which... How old was I? Eight? I think I was eight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, the thing is, because we, uh, one day we were talking at your house, you kind of casually mentioned that. I'm like, what? Hold on. <laughs> because that was such a huge, gigantic show. And that, I mean, there must have been, I would imagine, hundreds of kids, maybe even thousands. I don't know. That audition for that, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of my childhood, to be honest, what I remember really well, it's just so many auditions. And I remember just my mom, like, was dragging me to all these different auditions and lineups and kind of, you know, for, for everything. Um, Because when you're first starting out, you just try for everything. So it was kind of magazine shoots and radio shows and adverts and TV shows and films and all the rest of it. So, yes, there was that. That was a big one. I remember that being quite a big one. (laughs) Yeah, that's neat. You know, that's a great I mean, really a great legacy and a great way to kind of get your start in the show business world. So you you, um, you did that for many years doing the different kind of acting and that kind of stuff. Then how did you get into I mean, I know you in the, in the academic world. That's another part we should talk about. You were actually uh, taught at some very prestigious schools uh, for acting and singing. And what were some of the, the schools that you you actually worked at? Um, well, I was at the British Academy. I was the head at the British Academy of New Music for about eight years. Oh wow! Okay. So yeah, that's where I was. And that wasn't 
I lose track of time. I know it all kind of blends together. Right? <laughs> I think it was about five years ago I left. So I was there kind of eight, eight years. When I yeah. So you had um, at that school, you had some really uh, some students that actually went on to become very, very famous and successful. And I know some you worked with directly, some just kind of went to the school and you were there. But who were who some of those those folks that we would all know? Well, Joe, it's a it's it's a funny story how that all came over in the press, which you know, I have to say did help my kind of my my jazz artist career. And um, right. a PR guy that I was um, wanting to work with for my album. Uh, and and I know at the time he was like, Well, you know, what's the angle? And I, I didn't think he was particularly impressed with me. And right. it was from a business point of view, you could understand. It was like, well, what's the angle? What am I going to, you know, because he's... Yeah, because you've been PR teaching guy. and now you want to be an artist, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's a big PR guy and he's kind of done the PR for, you know, the Rolling Stones, Prince, I mean, you know, ma major people. So, right. uh, and I was always saying, well, tell me a bit about yourself. You know, what's, you know, what have you done? And, and, and as you say, I was like, well, I've done a bit of teaching. I kind of did a bit of this, bit of that. And you could tell he was like, mm. and, you know, where were you teaching? And I kind of said, oh, yeah, British Academy of New Music. And I was like, any famous students? And I saw yeah, there was a few, and he's like, oh, like who? And I saw well, Ed Sheeran, Rita Ora, and then he went silent on the phone. And right. then he started laughing, and he was like, <laughs> okay, that, that's our angle. You so, got qualified, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's fair enough, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand it, but, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't Ed's personal teacher, uh, right. you know, so, um, but, yes, he was, he was there while I was, while I was head. Yeah, because I, I know that school was. I mean, it, it still is. Probably, it's it's kind of a um, a melting pot of some of the best kids in, in the UK, right? That are going to those well, schools. It's closed now. It's very, oh well, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, it's well, no, I mean, it's they actually shut down. They they moved. Oh, they did. The building, yeah, the building uh -huh. where it was, and in fact, I sh I shot a couple of videos there as well. They demolished okay. it. The whole area has been uh, demolished, mm -hmm. and uh, and the company that it was part of has kind of you know it's been subsumed if you like and it's in part of a wider college in a different building so oh i got you and okay. it's quite sad but the legacy you know the people that yeah. have gone through the doors if you like is quite significant a lot of people that you know you won't have heard of yet but you will and also right. a lot of people behind the scenes who are amazing who you know are not mm. your ed sheerans but are equally as amazing talented and you know valuable yeah. to talk about I mean, there's so much, I mean, well, there's talent, so much talent in the world, but especially in, in places like London, it's like London, New York, Paris. I mean, those places are just, they're, they're magnets for, for people, right? With, with those kind of talents. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a, and this is what I find every day, the amount of kind of incredible people that are, are everywhere, like pockets that we don't know about, um, right. you know, which has been surprising me. And part of what I'm doing at the moment with some of my journalism work is exploring the jazz scene in different yeah. parts of the world. Because, uh, yeah, it's fascinating, fascinating. Yeah, and I mean, that's part of my mission, too. We, we've talked a lot about that. that. Part of my thing was is try to be really international because there's so many amazing people that never get heard because just because of where they happen to be located, right? So if yeah. you're in New York and L.A., you can get access to all those agents and all those folks. If you live in, you know, in the middle of, you know, wherever, you don't, you're not surrounded by those people, it's hard to get you're getting known. <laughs> you know, I was speaking to someone a couple of weeks ago, actually, a, a fantastic uh, Italian um, musician. And, um, and she was telling me, it was fascinating how Italian musicians in the UK are quite well known, but they're not mm. known actually in Italy. And right. then vice versa. So UK musicians, kind of also UK artists, are quite well known in Italy, but not mm -hmm. quite so well known here. And it's kind yeah. of really weird, kind of mismatch of kind of uh, you know musicians. So yeah, and there's you know what? There's actually that story too here in the states. Bands like the Stray Cats, they actually had to go to the UK to become known, and then they came back. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of it's funny. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you, so you were teaching at the school, and you decided that. I know your dream had always been to be a jazz artist, or at least in, in, in your years later on at the school. So what really made you decide to make that transition and just to kind of set out on that, on that venture? You know? Well, to be honest, you know, and I'd love to be able to say that I kind of decided that kind of, you know, I needed to follow my dreams and all the rest of it. Right. It wasn't like that at all. I mean, the company changed owners. Uh, mm -hmm. and, um, and I tried for a couple of years, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't happy with kind of you know, yeah. the way it was working it wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't why I got into teaching. So I kind of quite quickly just decided and I thought about it. I think it was on the Friday. I said to some colleagues, yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to resign. So I'm going to right. think about it. I won't do anything rash. And then I thought about it. And then Monday, yeah, Monday morning I went in and I resigned. And mm. then I had a few months off um, um, to kind of, 
I guess, look for work or decide what I was going to do. But I was really kind of like, oh, because I didn't leave with another job or anything. I just, I literally just right. felt like I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. And um, and then a, a friend of mine, I caught up with them about a kind of two months after I left and said, um, oh, you know, how are you doing? I presume you're doing your music now. And I was like, do you know what? That's what I should be doing. <laughs> that's what I should right. be doing. Yeah. And then for that, it was that moment. I'm like, yeah, that's how ridiculous. Like, yes, that's what I need to do. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's how I kind of, it, uh, kind of launched myself as a, as a jazz artist, I guess. Yeah. And you've been, I mean, you've been very successful. You've gotten tons of awards and review, many reviews that are really awesome. And how many albums do you have out currently that, have that you've released? Four. And uh, yeah, I'm working on my fifth one now. Awesome. And and you actually, so you wrote and produced those albums, right? I know yeah. you have some other guys that you work with, of course, your band. And... Yeah. My first album, I didn't produce. Um, oh, okay. Apart from that, yes, I'm the producer, the composer, arranger, pianist, right. and vocalist. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, I mean, the thing about it is you're quite good at all those because <laughs> I've seen you guys live several times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen the band live several times in London and, um, and I mean, you've got great players. I know you love your band. They've been with you since kind of the beginning, right? Well, do you know what? And it's funny because we're recording this next album and, and we've been talking about this a lot lately. And especially I think since lockdown where we're kind of working together, how mm -hmm. the chemistry of us all together just works. It, it's, it's a genuinely right. wonderful thing. You know, the variety of, of people that um, are there from ages to backgrounds, to cultures, to, to musical tastes from kind of, you know, what their, what their um, kind of influences are. Um, hmm. And they're all just amazing people. We have such an amazing time. I can't begin to, I'm so fortunate. I don't really know how it happened. Um, but yeah, yes. and, it's, and it's actually, I mean, it's kind of an international band, really. You have a lot of flavors of different, the different guys have all have different influences, right? Yeah, I love that. And that's what I mean. It's like, you, you might look at the picture and kind of think there's some kind of plan. And it's like, yeah, I, none of that was like, you know what it's like. It's kind of, oh, that guy's a great bass player or kind of this is a really nice, you know, and that's how you kind of get together. Um, right. But no, it's it's beautiful. It's, you know, yeah. everyone is uh, amazing. Yeah, and it's great with London too, because I mean, there's so many great musicians, singers, like we were talking about, it kind of, it's kind of a, a draw for that. So like, you know, when you see your, your guys playing in the clubs at, you know, like Pizza Express, these other great places, it's like, you know, it's a world-class group. I mean, you guys could be playing anywhere. I know like there's the Ronnie Scott's and those, those clubs in town, but um, you've been, um, I know you've actually done quite, you've been staying quite a bit busy in London normally before COVID. Um, What's your kind of game plan moving forward after you release the new album? Are you going to try to go back into the club situation or what's the, the game plan for that? Okay, well, my new album comes out in November. So um, I've, I've got one gig booked in October, like a pre-album thing. Right. Um, and then I'm hoping and I'm just negotiating with a venue to do the album launch in London. Um, oh, okay. And then I'm hoping that by then, that everything will be kind of open and, and back to some kind of normality. So right. I'll be honest at the moment, apart from, as I say, an album launch venue uh, and a little pre one to kind of just get everyone uh, aware uh, that we're back doing it. Um, I haven't been booking too many gigs just because, yeah, there's a huge backlog as well. You know, so many musicians who have been out of work for so long, you right. know, they need those slots. And I've been very fortunate with my other work. So, so yeah, yeah, I haven't, apart from album launch, I haven't really been trying to book gigs, but once, mm. you know, once the album is done, then I want to do a few UK gigs, but I'm desperate to come to Europe, the States and Canada. You know, I've got, you know, some of my fan base and I've had some huge right. radio play in different places and, and I've not been over there and played. So, um, which was the plan before COVID. I was going to do a little European tour actually, but of course that went, uh, that went out the water. So yeah, I'm hoping that by the time this album comes out, that I can do some UK gigs and then Europe, Canada and the States. Yeah, it seems like the, um, the jazz venues, when you, when you kind of reach a certain level, you kind of go into the festival situation, right? I mean, that's kind of the best, almost the best path for, for larger gigs. And it's, it's, yeah, it's tough when that stuff's shut down. Everybody's kind of sitting around going, now what do we do? <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, but I mean, we've been in the studio. We did, I did a live session album last summer. So last July, um, which was kind of while all the, the venues were shut. So we, we played together kind of once, which was amazing. And then yeah, now we're kind of back in the studio and it's, it's, it's so good to be playing again. 
Um, so, and I know um, you've established a new really interesting project, which is women in jazz media. So tell me, tell me about that. And I know you've been a really big advocate for women in jazz and I was writing for jazz in Europe. Um, you were a senior writer way before me. <laughs> we have our mutual friend, Nigel, to thank for me we bringing me in, I guess. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's our co-producer for the podcast series. But um, so tell me about that, how that came about women in jazz media well to be honest um it was at the end of november so it's not been um running very long and um, there was two um things that just made me decide to do it i was looking at a publication which i do all the time obviously as a journalist um and i won't i won't name the publication but um you know quite often it's sometimes hard to work out who the writers are um mm. you know sometimes you can click on them and you go on it but sometimes it's kind of hard to look at an overview if you look at a magazine well who were the writers for this whole magazine um, right. And, you know, this particular magazine I looked at and I had a page, you know, a page with photos. And I was like, oh, and it had this massive page. And there was, you know, about 50, over 50 writers. And I was really impressed. Like, you know, goodness, this is incredible. And I was right. looking at this kind of really happy. And I'm like, hang on, where are the women? And I was looking <laughs> yeah. and I was like, oh, there's one. <laughs> so there was like two women uh, and yeah. no one of colour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of lost the plot a bit, to be honest. <laughs> I right. was kind of, no, do you know what? I see this all the time. I've seen it all the time since I've been in this industry. Uh, I've had enough. Um, yeah. And at the same time, there was a situation where there was um, um, uh, a female journalist who was causing some problems in the community. And it yeah. was very siloed. No one knew what was going on. And then on this same day, it turned out that, the, that a lot of us knew what was going on, but we never talked about it. So that kind uh, of like, oh, where is the community where kind of we can actually help each other and support each other out? Yeah, because it can be, I mean, it can be competitive. People are trying to get certain artists to, to interview and you can kind of, but I, I, you know, like, I know you're like I am. I mean, you're competitive in some ways, but, but you know, not to the detriment of other people. <laughs> well, see, I don't think I'm but some people are. <laughs> well, yeah, and I don't think I'm the least competitive person I know, you know. Uh, right. And um, so that, that element of things, although I get it, I think there's, there's a limit as to, as right. you say, as to, you know. There should be a limit. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Yeah, there should be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so these two things collided and I thought, you know, what, I'm just going to start a Facebook page. You know, I'm just going to mm-hmm. start a Facebook page where perhaps the, you know, the women in journalism can collaborate and talk to each other and, and form a little community. Um, right. And I was like, well, I should call it, well, women in jazz media. And I just, so I just opened this Facebook page and then it just exploded. The next day, um, I got a direct message on the page from a writer in China saying, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, I've been looking for something like this for years. Yeah. I've been writing jazz for the past eight years. I don't know any other women that do it. And right. I was like, and then I also thought, I don't know anything about the jazz industry in China, you know, and like, yeah, it's actually fascinating. It's very interesting. So yeah. I kept getting basically these messages from women all over the world. Hmm. Um, so then I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, I better do it properly. <laughs> so yeah, so then it stepped up a gear. I thought I need a team of people um, hmm. and you know, website projects. And uh, right. yeah, so I think it's only been six months. But yeah, now I've got a team. I've got 16 people in the team and a whole wow. variety of photographers, writers, artists, and um, producers. Um, yeah, a huge variety from all over the world. So China, Spain, UK, um, Germany, all, all over the place. Uh, and we work on yeah many different, I could talk about that for ages, but yes, it's, yeah. it's amazing. Who are some of the, I mean, I know we've talked about that before, but who are some of your favorite people that you've actually interviewed? And I know there's been some really, some really big luminaries, jazz luminaries and, and world music too. That I've interviewed? Yeah. Well, uh, I, there's two that stand out because they're my heroes. <laughs> uh, and one of which is Dee Dee Bridgewater, who right. has been a hero of mine on so many different levels. I think quite often people... Um, think you know Dee Dee Bridgewater is this phenomenal vocalist you know this artist which of course she is but you know she also runs her own label she produces right. her own work and I think sometimes that's forgotten so you know that and she's such a huge role model and, and fierce advocate um so yes I interviewed her so that was kind of you know amazing yeah and she's a very strong woman with strong opinions which oh is, good which is you, don't, you don't mess with Dee Dee <laughs> yeah, I know yeah we talked about that that's why, that's why I brought that up actually but, but yeah but I love that you know and they were yeah and no, it's not a bad thing at all yeah, yeah you know that's strength and you know right. um and yeah I mean there was things in the interview that I couldn't include 
but I, I love the conversation. <laughs> Honestly, it was an amazing conversation. I know you um, told me some of them, but I can't say now because that wouldn't be. Relevant, but, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but it was amazing. Um, yeah. And Maxine Gordon, who right. you know, Maxine has become. And t- tell people who, who who she is. Oh, Maxine Gordon. Um, she she was the wife of Dexter Gordon, the the huge mm-hmm. legend. Um, but I must add to that because you know I, I hate it when when you know we have yeah you know, that question comes. You get up. your value because you're well, married to someone. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yes, of course she was married to Dexter Gordon. But oh my goodness, yeah. I, I mean she's an incredible woman, incredible woman, and she she wrote this book. Um, about Dexter Gordon uh, but it's not just a biography it goes about it it talks about so many things and you know she's won many awards but she she is such an advocate for the jazz industry she has become I I would say possibly my biggest inspiration everything I do um, I always think what would Maxine say Right. You know, if I'm, I'm, you know what, it's good to, it's good to have those people in your life yeah. as sort of a touchstone to like, you know, this is kind of like where you want to go or what you want to accomplish or how they would, you think how, well, how would they deal with this yeah. as a strong woman that's been there? And right. It's really interesting. She has a great story. Oh, honestly, she is you know, yeah. such, and she's so supportive of not just the legacy of jazz. And I think that's the thing when you think about Dexter Gordon, because we have to celebrate and protect the legacy of jazz, but Absolutely, but yeah. equally we have to welcome in the new jazz. I mean, that's how jazz evolves, um, and yeah. that's one of the many things that's wonderful about Maxine is she is so supportive of of new artists and emerging right. artists. Because some, I mean, and we should say because some of the jazz community really aren't. No, yeah, we <laughs> Unfortunately, call them, we call them the jazz police. Yeah, and we've had those conversations, and I. It's funny because for me, like I've actually I listen to I listen to jazz, punk rock metal <laughs> I, mean, I, yeah. I just like music right i don't i never i never understood that way of like trying to like oh no those those guys are playing that, that new jazz or that smooth jazz I'm like it's music if people like it you know the public decides what they like it doesn't matter what you label it <laughs> oh, no. and don't you find that really hard and, and but that's part yeah. of the challenge i think of being a journalist or kind of the type of right. journalist that we are because yeah. you know you, you understand if you're trying to introduce a new artist to someone there needs to be a kind of something to catch, you know, some, something that brings their attention to it. And generally what's used is, well, they're like this artist or it's right. this type of jazz or you kind of a reference point. You know, and yeah. that's, I think, how it all starts. And I think it, it all goes back to the day when you kind of in record stores, it's like, OK, well, where do we categorize this this artist? Yeah, and, and I think as humans, we're kind of built that way. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> I, I completely understand where it comes from, but absolutely, as you say, yeah. if it's good music, it's good music. It really doesn't matter if it fits into a box and wh- what the box is and why it, does. Right. it really doesn't matter. And there is an awful lot of that in jazz, an awful lot. Um, but then also the history of jazz, you know, many of the famous legends started a new a new type of music and the critics were like, that's awful. Well, see, that's, and that's what I always kind of go back to. I mean, wh- what did people think when they first heard Miles when he kind of broke out of the bebop stuff and went into what he did? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people, even the really, you know, downbeat and all these really well-known magazines are probably going, oh, what's going on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and know? that's part, part of the work I've been doing with um, women in jazz media is kind of going back back in the day and looking at journalism because there was no women mentioned really uh, right, back absolutely, in the day. Yeah. But also looking at kind of that history of, you know, the, the male musicians as well, Coltrane, Ornette Coleman, I've been looking at recently. Um, yeah. You know, yes, the critics were like, but, you know, this guy's crazy. It's like this, you know, right, exactly. Awful, you know, and then it's, it's, people forget that right now. They're like, oh, no, he was such a legend. Like, you necessarily, they didn't know how to handle it when he first came out. <laughs> but you know what I love about someone like Ornette Coleman is a really good example because some of his very, you know, he quite often does what we define as that freer jazz. Um, right. and, and that's not actually my kind of thing. I'm not into the kind of freer side, but I can still absolutely respect what he stood for, what, you know, yeah. the, the, what we get out of that. And I think that's what is particularly glorious about jazz. And there's a certain bravery to that, right? Like oh you have goodness, to, to be yeah. an avant-garde or be a pioneer. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to take some slings and arrows and <laughs> yeah. all that stuff's going to come at you, but you just have, if you can really get through that and, and find your path, then it's, it's, it can be amazing. It, it, yeah. Yeah. And there's so much of that throughout, you know, well, music history, but there's so much particularly in jazz because obviously there were more barriers there as well for music right. than, than yeah. a lot of other genres but yeah. what what do you um i know you 
like your band guys, a lot of them are, are younger than you. And, and there were, some of them are very young. <laughs> I'm saying that gently. Um, so, but I mean, and, but, and you're quite a good teacher. And I mean, I've seen you in that and kind of in that role. So how do you bridge that? Like working with younger players, encouraging them, not, not necessarily being their teacher, but maybe you are their mentor in a way. How do you navigate all that? Oh God, I don't know how to answer that. It's funny because we've been having- <laughs> I know it's a bit complicated question. Well, it is and it's funny because I say we've been in the studio quite a bit lately and we've been talking about, as I say, the, the chemistry that you all have and, and how right. it all works. And, uh, and But also with different personalities because some of the guys did used to be my students. So that transition from you know me being their teacher to now not being their teacher at all and how yeah. that how that works because I mean you know this is my material it's my music um, and I am quite um, focused and very I kind of I have a, an idea in my head I have a vision I have a this is how it should sound right yeah especially when you're also the producer right yeah so I, I so I am you know uh, and it's not arrogance it's just like well in my head this is what it sounds like so let's try and create that so I'm quite forceful in that way but I also and you know hope and this is what we talk about I'm also genuinely open for change and ideas you know so quite often we kind of like well how how about we do this at the end or we do this or, or how about we do it? so I'm always always open for ideas but I know there's sometimes some you know with some of the people in my band in fact Derek my bassist we have many conversations where yeah, he's like, a great great player yeah. great player and such a lovely lovely guy uh, and um, and quite often because I think he sometimes has that and I think is he's I think he may well be one of the youngest a shame he is the youngest um but we quite have, have often have these discussions because he'll come up with an idea and I think 90% of the time I'm like no <laughs> <laughs> and then I say that and then I'm mortified with myself yeah you have to um, kind of stop yourself it's like yeah. roll, roll it back <laughs> and I'm like oh you know you know what I mean Derek and then Derek's like yeah. Me. yeah I absolutely so so I like to think and I hope if you ask them they'd say the same thing that we do have this yes I'm yeah I'm quite determined I'm quite this is what we're doing but yeah. I am open to ideas um, and if they work, we go with them. And there's been. And you've actually had some very. Uh, you did some videos with Eric that, or Derek. I'm sorry, uh, your bass player that that were really interesting. It was in in the church, right? And they've oh. actually had and they had a lot of views on online. Yeah, and as I say I love working with everyone, but I love you know Derek and I quite often do kind of a bass and vocal thing. So mm -hmm. and it was literally I think two days before lockdown um, that I booked this church in London, this gorgeous church, and they had a right. beautiful grand piano. Um, so it was just me on the piano, or we did two songs, so a piano vocal and and double bass, because the setting was just gorgeous. The acoustics were, were just gorgeous. Yeah, that whole the whole vibe of those videos is really neat. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> it's really cool. So, and in fact, we've just done some new ones because I'm performing at um, a Scot Scottish jazz festival at the end of this month. Um, oh, awesome! But it's online. Yeah, pre-COVID, right. I would have gone, but. Uh, it's online um so i've been asked to kind of submit a video a gig if you like on video and i was like you know what we've not played together for so long Let, let's do something cool so i so i booked a church the union Chapel oh, awesome. church which yeah. is stunning absolutely stunning yeah. uh, and we were there and we did like a half hour set in this glorious venue uh and yeah you know, i had like well, the one one of the videos or maybe more than one but it had like a hundred thousand views right it was really popular <laughs> And I'm not so good at this, but yeah, obviously YouTube and Facebook. So on Facebook, my videos seem to get an awful lot of views. And yeah, I've got, I think, a couple of over 300,000. I think. Wow. For, for, you know, and, and, and I should say for jazz, I mean, that's really big numbers because that's not normally the case, right? Yeah. Uh, and on YouTube, um, not as many. I think we're talking 18 to 20,000 ish. So we're yeah, still, still. Everything, don't get me wrong, but it's interesting yeah. that difference, Facebook versus YouTube right. and I don't yeah. know just different different maybe different audiences or I, I don't know how that you know who knows yeah. how the gods work with the social media stuff no you know and <laughs> still, I, I have 40 different pages I'm still trying to understand and, and you know what the thing with me genuinely is even if one person likes what I'm doing that yeah. that makes my day you know and I know the, the business part of me has to think about all that kind of thing but you know my heart doesn't care you know right. one, one person who says to me oh I love that song that yeah. means the world to me yeah, I'm still the same way. You know, like I, I played with, you know, Cirque many years ago, you know, that story, but, um, and I still get messages from Japan and places. And I, I'm like, you know, it's, I'm touched that people care. You know, I'm always, even, you know, no matter what I do, even the podcast or whatever, I'm touched that people care about what, what I do or what you, I know you're the same way. It's like they, they, because they're investing their time in you. 
that's so that's, valuable. Well, time is so precious, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it really is. And I think that's something also with COVID that we've all, I hope, reflected on is, you know, what's right. actually important? You know, what do we yeah. need to survive? You know, do we need yeah. people? Do, you know, do we need our jobs? You know, what is it? We, you know, we've been forced to reflect on kind of what, what keeps us happy as human beings. Um, so, yeah, as you say, if someone takes the time to say, yeah. I love that song or I love that, you know, then that. That's yeah, or they take a half hour to listen to your record or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's quite a compliment, really, it, you know. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, so, your, so your record's going to be out, coming out in November yes. and then um, in clubs. And, and what else has been happening with you? Like, I, I know, obviously, the whole COVID thing has been um, challenging. And I, you um, you also have an academic job. Are you still doing that? I am. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's interesting too because you actually, um, it's a really fascinating job because you actually write um, the requirements for arts degrees, and not only in the UK but it's global, right? Yeah, so I work for a company where I'm responsible for the level four and level five qualifications for music and performing arts. So that's the first two years of a degree that and mm. yeah, they're delivered um, across the world. Um, right. So yes, I'm fine. that's interesting. I think it's pretty fascinating. Like, and uh, it's somebody in you know wherever they happen to be. Like you, you're responsible for doing that. That's quite. I mean, that's a neat job. And I think you're actually the perfect person because you have such a well varied background. And you know what? What I would say too, going along with that, with the education and that kind of thing. What's your advice to young artists, people that want to do what you're doing, which is write their own music and produce their own records? What, what's 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 some advice you have for them? Well, goodness. I haven't been asked that question for a while, actually. I'm sure I well, have like that's a, why I'm here. <laughs> I'm sure I have like a stand- That's why I make the big bucks. <laughs> I don't. I'm just kidding. Anyway, go ahead. I think, um, I mean, one thing that I always, you know, when I was teaching, um, especially young people, is staying true to yourself. I think it's really... Uh, easy to get kind of caught up in the commercial element because obviously ultimately if you're wanting to have a career as a musician you have to earn an income right you know it, it, it's just a fact you know yeah, it, you have to find an audience <laughs> yeah and it's not you know it's not a dirty word I think quite often in jazz when you think you know the word commercial you know yeah. it's kind of in some ways a dirty word but it's like if you want a career in the creative industries you have to earn money it, it you know it's, right. it's a fact it's just reality yeah. it's, it's, it's reality uh, and it doesn't have to be a dirty word if you stay true to who you are and I think that's that's where the challenge is you know when you think and I think you know social media is is also a blessing but also a horrible thing you know because I've seen you know many people who get kind of torn up and kind of worked up in this you know all using your filters and all, you know, all these different things you do because you're having to analyze right. image and then you think ah well I need to look like this or I need to be this way so yeah, there's a lot of pressure I mean even for you know young teens teen girls teen boys or whatever there's a lot of pressure for social media and then when you add the aspect of being a creative it even kind of gets ramped up yeah, it's it's incredibly hard. So so when I say something as simple as say true to yourself, it is really hard to do that. You know, it really is. Um, so, yeah. but it's important because ultimately you're doing this because you know, you have something in you, you have a vision, you have some passion. You yeah, there's something in you. So you know, you have to stay true to that, however hard it may be. I mean, you may have to make compromises, but you know, I would always say, do you really like you know, <laughs> think yeah. about it? You know, yes, sometimes yeah. you need to, but really think about because decisions to think is too decisions you make now may affect you next 20 years you know and there's a number of stories like that with the Beatles with all these bands that we know they made decisions that affected the rest of their career and they didn't really they thought at the time they thought it was a good idea they learned later that (laughs) they're stuck with it yeah and I think that's also the case especially in the creative arts is quite often even if we've been trained in some way we quite often learn on the job don't we you know if I use Mm -hmm. the music business side of things at no point ever was I trained in that ever Right. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, few, few, few are really. Yeah. I, mean, I was trained to play my instruments. You know, uh, I had all that kind of training and the history that a lot of training I did have, but I have, you know, no one ever trained me on actually how to be employed as a musician, as an artist. Right. And stuff like publishing and music publishing. And like, and I've done actually done episodes about that music licensing. There's so much to know and there's so many people out there willing to take advantage of you. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't, if you, don't think, you have to learn that stuff, right? Yeah. And I think for me, it's a mindset thing. And that's, I think that's what I would, you know, try and instill into kind of musicians that are just starting is that, as I say, it's, it's all, all as one. It should be all embedded into one thing. And as I say, you know, marketing yourself is not a dirty thing to do. You have to right. do that, you know, but do it right. 
you know, there is, I believe, there is still a way to do all these things, but keeping true to who you are. Without right, and integ- with integrity, right? Absolutely. But to do that, I think you really need to understand the industry. And that's, right. I think, what, what is lacking. It's kind of, well, I'm a musician, I just want to do this. And then you, you, you ideally want someone else to do all the other stuff with you. And then maybe yeah. back in the day, that was the case. But unfortunately now, that portfolio career, the independent artist, we have to do everything. We, we absolutely do. And yes, it's hard. And even having a record deal, having a record deal, a lot of people talk about this. It's not what it was, what it used to be. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, well, what do you have to give away to get that? And, you know, you have to kind of decide like, what, what, why am I doing this? Am I doing this to create art or am I doing this to make money? Yeah. You really need to be really clear with yourself. And I mean, which is fine, whatever you want to do, but be really clear about what, what your intentions really are and what you're willing to do. Well, yeah. And also what you're not willing to do. also what the options are you know and I was speaking to someone that was only a couple of months ago who'd just been signed to a label and I think there's still that kind of old school feeling when you've been signed like, oh my god I've been signed to a label and it's like the best thing ever yeah it's you know, exciting we, we, yeah um but but it's also relevant who the label is and what they're going to do for you so this particular label and of course I'm not naming and shaming they've signed right. to this label but I artists <laughs> But the artist, the artist has had to give the label um, a, a lump sum of money um, and they've told, you know, for marketing, but part of the contract said that the musicians have to reach out and market themselves. So this is this weird combination of kind of, well, what's the label actually doing for you? And we had this right. conversation, like you've given them money, but they've come back to you and said, okay, great. Here's all the things that you as an artist have to do. And it's not just make music. Yeah, they right. also, you know, and for me, I'm like, well, you could do that without handing over loads of money. Yeah, and it's all it's all tricky because, I mean, like, you know, I, I see some different sides of that. Like, obviously, the label wants the artist to be involved and to be motivated because if they're not, then what's the point? Yeah. You know, and they want them to do the social media stuff and all that. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, like, you know, that's a lot of the stuff today you can do on your own. Yeah. So you really have to figure out, like, if I have to give up all my publishing, which is really where your your money is down the road what you're willing to do to do that because and I just had that discussion with the group I'm playing with, you know, we have different uh, things that have been offered to us and it's like, well, we could do that on our own. Yeah. <laughs> why, why should we give up our publishing? Well, you know? it, that's the thing. But I think for me and what we, and I think this has started to come out of lockdown a bit and certainly um, not, not just about me, but kind of the work we do in women as gender media is the collaborative aspect because you know what? We all need each other. You know, yeah. you know the, the venues, you know the musicians, the composers, the the technicians, yep. the PR people. We actually it doesn't work. It doesn't work without all that together. Exactly. <laughs> and to me, no one person is necessarily more important. We are all valid right. and all equal, yep. and yet we often don't approach it in that way. You know, as artists, we're like, well, we're the art. You know, we're the artists, and someone else can do someone else can do this. But it's like, well, you know, actually, we're all in one. So I think for me, it's that mindset shift because actually, it's much easier. <laughs> If we're all engaging with each other, you know, and, yeah, and, artist, and you know, as an artist too, you should you should learn all aspects of the business because that's going to benefit you down the road. And we've all heard the stories where the artist has a manager and the manager takes all the money. It's because the artist didn't know what was going on. Yeah. They're partying, they're doing their artist thing, and not paying attention to the business. Yeah, and you've got to you know you've got to do that. You've got to know where the money's going. You got to know who's responsible for what. It's a business, you know. It, it and, and you could be an artist and you could have managers, but you should still know where your money is <laughs> yeah, and I find this a lot with the artists don't understand that and there's many occasions when I get contacted for, for women in jazz media by you know a female artist um saying yeah. oh, I'd love you to help support and promote our work and I'm like oh yeah brilliant send me your press kit you know and we'll start to look through it and we can start sharing on social media um and, and I'll either get what do you mean a press kit <laughs> right yeah or they, they'll send me one photo with no credit on it you know, so yeah. I'm having it. Well, who took the photo? But but for that is, is another sign. It's like you don't understand all that's involved here. You've had some amazing photographers. That's, take a, that's what they call it. That's what they call a teachable moment. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you've got this beautiful photo, which I'm more than happy to share all over social media. But do right. you not think the photographer also needs some credit for that work as well? Yeah, that mindset yep. was just a photo. No, no, yeah, that photographer is an artist as well. Right, exactly. Yeah. And yep. for me, of equal importance. So, it's, you know, and I see that all the time. And again, like articles, yeah. you know, I had, uh, and again, I won't name, 
but I had an artist because I get emails all the time asking to review albums. I did too. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something I don't like doing. I actually don't like reviewing albums. I'm happy to write an article and interview people, you know, but actually being a critique, I, I don't like doing that. But I yeah. still nonetheless get emailed all the time. And I had this particular artist and she was hounding me quite a lot, you know, every couple of days, you know, can you review, can you review, can you review? Uh, and I like to help out as many artists as I possibly can, you know, and I realize sure. that some of the platforms I write for, it's good for them. But ultimately, it is for them. It's not for me. Writing a review, you know, I right. don't that. that and, and that's a tricky, I mean, the review thing is a tricky business anyways. That's a whole nother subject, but it's yeah. like, who am, I to, who am I to judge your okay. art? So, you know, I mean, if it's out of tune or, or something's weird with the playing, I can do that. But that's, other than that, it's like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I'm not going to judge, I'm not going to judge Picasso. It's not, exactly, like, you know. <laughs> exactly. yeah. I understand as artists, we need people to review our work because we need the sure. person. So I completely get it. Um, right. Anyway, so this artist, you know, she kept emailing me, anyway, uh, and then, and I did explain, yeah, look, I've got a whole list. You're definitely, I will get, I will get to it. You know, it's going to take some time. Anyway, so I had months of hassling, uh, and it, you know, I did it, and she's like, when's it going to be published? When's it going? A lot of hassle, right? So anyway, I finally did it, and it was published, and I messaged her, and I'll find it. Here you go. You know, here it is, and the email back, thanks. Just that, she's not shared it once on social media. <laughs> yeah after you take your time to yeah well, and it's that type of thing i don't get it's like you know because i'm actually on your side so you've been right. hassling me because you want a review you need a review i completely understand that i've given you my time because you've asked yeah you know and you then you don't feel it's important enough to share on your social media channels or put on your website so i'm kind of like well, why did you ask then so, yeah and i think i mean and i think you know and i've been in that exact same situation and i, I what i try to do for me and i, I know you do too um, even though it's going to be rather annoying, but I try to educate them. You know, people say, oh yeah, I'm going to send you my bio, blah, blah, blah. And then they send me this, you know, three, three lines of something that doesn't, it's written by a publicist. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't really tell me anything about you. And, and for me to give you, like, if you want to be on the podcast or if you want me to interview you, for me to do the best service for you, for what you need, I want to know who you are. And I'm actually, for me, and I know you're the same, I actually do my research. <laughs> Some people don't. Some people just wing it. Yeah. But I actually, I want to learn because I want to, you know, I want you to get the most out of, out of the time that we're spending. And, and you know, people give up their time to do these kinds of things. So it is important. And also, like you said, the less electronic press kit, like that's important. I also tell people with the social media stuff, well, I don't really have a social media page. I'm like, well, you realize that when you talk to a record label or a manager, the first thing they do when you, when you, they stop talking to you is they go search for you on, yeah. on social media. And see what your numbers are. See how you're interacting with your, your fans. <laughs> you know well, what yeah. I mean? And this is the thing. And people don't, you know. And I've had, uh, and again, I won't name names. I'm not about naming and shaming, but I have been, you know, I'm in, so good to get a list. <laughs> I, I've been. I went to. I went away before lockdown, uh, and we had this wonderful kind of um, lunch meeting with loads of different mm. people across the world from the industry. And there were a lot of venue bookers there, a lot of artists but, uh, bookers. Uh, and yeah, we were all just chatting. Uh, and one of them did say that, you know, they were looking at booking an, a booking an artist. But it was, you know, it was an artist that I'd heard of. Um, but they said, oh, yeah, but if you looked at the YouTube views, she, you know, she barely gets any views on YouTube. But they had this genuine conversation where this booker had just gone onto the social media and decided yeah. that actually they weren't going to book this person because their social media enge engagement wasn't up to their standards. Now, that's a whole nother conversation, but I think the realization mm. that some people do it's that, reality, yeah, it's reality, reality, you know, that people will look. And in fact, I had it and I didn't do it in the end as I started out because I, I was, um, I did a support act, um, for mm -hmm. a gig, you know, just before my first, uh, my first album came out. And it was really good, it was a fantastic night. And then I got uh, that particular venue said, Oh, we'd love you to be the support act for a few other artists. And I kind of had this chat with them. I said, look, I love, the, I love the idea, I said, but actually because the artists they were wanting me to support had less, <laughs> you know, um, engagement, less fans than actually I did at the time. And I had this genuine conversation with them. I said, look, right. I've got no issue with supporting people, but I just, I'm, I'm trying to work out how this benefits you know me right yeah because it's it's time and money and your band guys and yeah it's not and that's the thing because it's not just you yeah it's a whole, whole group of people yeah and I said, <laughs> that work with you yeah, yeah and i said what well, you know i said for this this artist that you want me to support um i've had a look uh, and this is the engagement i can see and he actually said to me he said well i'll be honest the reason we asked you to support was because you've actually got more followers than the main yeah. artist 
yeah, and I said, funny. I appreciate you being honest, but I think you could probably appreciate then then maybe I shouldn't be the support act that maybe Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's I mean, you know, it's 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 time versus reward. And I mean you ever that's actually just I mean, that's just simple business. And it's yeah. one thing if it's just you doing a solo thing, but when you have a band and you know, you want to make it and I, I know I mean I know how you are and I know that you give every and everything you can, you know, monetarily as as much as possible to the band to keep everybody um, you know, surviving and which I really admire about that about you, but like, you know, that, that also brings responsibility and you want to bring them into good gigs. And, and, and I think everybody's that's the same situation. Like you want the best for what you're doing and, and the best exposure. Right. I mean, for, well, you for do, your time. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing with me, you know, and I think, you know, this and, and people that know me know this. Um, I, I talk about my musicians far more than I talk about myself. I am more than happy, you know, I, yeah. you know, to talk about them, me, you know, I know I have to, um, yeah. I share more well, that's actually one of the reasons why I like you. I'm, I'm, besides the fact that you're extremely talented, but that you are like that, because as you know, many people are not like that. <laughs> that's the thing, and I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really get that. That's what I mean about this yeah. community, this collaboration. We are literally all in this together, and and right. life for all of us is actually easier if we're working together. So those awkward conversations, we totally agree about yep. all that kind of thing. It's like let's have them. Let's just let's be honest about it. We yep. all need each other. We all just want to make great music or listen to great music or put on great music. I mean, you know, it is that simple really. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, I will waffle on about that. Oh, no, no, I agree. And I think it's actually important to talk about that because that that's, that's just really business. Like you said, it's stuff they don't teach you when you're going to school and, you know, that you have a responsibility when you're a band leader, you know, or you're producing an album or all that stuff, you know, you have schedules. It's all the business stuff that has to get done and has to get done in, in a way that's fair to people that are giving their time to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's and super it's important. important. And I think this really hit home with, with women in jazz media. So I don't mean to keep going on about that, but it's been quite, okay. um, uh, kind of, um, uh, I don't know the word. I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, because what pondering, what, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a journalist, so I'm supposed to be good with that. Yeah, it's, okay. so, um, it's, it's overwhelming because quite often, almost every day, a woman, whether it's someone from the team or an artist or a photographer, someone will contact me or mention how amazing they feel being part of this community. And the thing mm. is, yes, that of course, that's a lovely thing, but it also worries me because it, it shouldn't be amazing to feel supported right i get you do you know what i mean so since i've started this it, it's amazing because you know women are kind of like oh yeah you know, you know, it's, it's a safe space we feel yeah. people are kind of helping to platform our work they're interested in what we're doing you know um so yeah of course i think i mean i mean there's always been and i mean i mean to cut you off but there's always been a bit of a glass ceiling for women in media right in journalism i mean they're not a bit but mm. actually a really big one and um, and I've actually been fortunate to talk to some really great ladies recently. Um, my friend in Tokyo and my other friend um, in Mexico that were both really amazing female mm. journalists. And I think I what I what I think is how hard they had to work to get to where they are. <laughs> they had to be yeah. twice as good as the men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, realistically. Yeah, know. and I think the thing is for me, and I do always stress this because you know, for me, the dream is absolute equality and diversity. So as much as this is, uh, this is about women, um, the aim right. is that we actually don't need to actually talk about women and we're just talking about great music. But as you say- And people, and people yeah, in and general. People, yeah, right. you know, yeah. And as I say, people sure. color, the kind of LGBTQ plus community. I mean, it, for me, it's the dream is that behind the scenes, as well as in front, every aspect is fully equal and diverse. So that's the absolute dream. Because you know, men should be in a safe space too. It's yeah. just women, as you say, historically, have had more barriers. Yeah, people yeah and I mean, and those, those men were very protective. They were very protective of their positions, the editors, all that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah. you know, for me, it, it kind of saddens me in some ways that doing something as simple as kind of just supporting and platforming women is a big deal because it shouldn't be a big deal. I hope that makes right. sense because it's wonderful. Oh, no, it does. But also, yeah. I'm kind of like, you know, it kind of also saddens me that um, the it's made such a difference because obviously this should have always been the way. Yeah. Well, you know what? Sometimes it takes the person to do it. <laughs> Just to sit there, like to decide, you know what? Nobody else is doing it. I'm going to do it. And I think, I think it's awesome. They're, they're fortunate to have you because you've operated in many different facets of the entertainment world and, and journalism and all that stuff. So I think it's, it's great. You, you're the perfect person really for that kind of well, situation. 
thank you. I'm probably just a bit crazy. I think, Joe, you know, I think the thing with me is uh, one of my kind of um, life mottos, if you like, is that, you know, what have you got to lose? <laughs> you know, exactly. I would rather, you know, and I, I, I have no fear of someone saying no. And maybe this goes back to my theatre training, you know, audition after audition after audition, where you kind of get strolled in and quite often you just get next, you know, right. no, you get no explanation. You get no. Yeah. So I've been brought up on kind of having to be okay with rejection, I guess, if you like, from a very early age. So for me, with anything I do, it's like, well, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I set yeah. up this page or I get this. What is that like? Realistically, what is the worst thing that can happen? So, so I tend to, I don't see it as risks because it's like, well, how yeah. much risk is it that someone goes, oh, I don't and I, I've kind of, and I kind of come from the same place. Like whatever I've done, I've done on my own pretty much. I mean, I've had people that helped me along the way, but I didn't have any family that were in the business. I didn't, it was all kind of my crazy brain. <laughs> let's try this. Let's try that. Uh, which has, has continued to this day, maybe to my detriment sometimes, yeah. but, you know, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. tell, uh, tell us uh, how people can find you online. I know you have a bunch of different outlets, but what, what would be the ones that you'd like people to know? about? I do. And hopefully I tick your boxes for this one. No, because you're like the social media king. <laughs> <laughs> I try. <laughs> um, well, I'm everywhere. Um, it, you know, Fiona, my website, which is just fionaross.co.uk has got all of my links on, but I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, uh, etc. If you actually just put Fiona Ross Jazz into Google, I, I'm the first five pages, I believe. Maybe even... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the SEO has been, you know, we've been working on that. Um, but it's, been, it's been on point. <laughs> but yeah, Fiona Ross Jazz, if you type that in anywhere, you will you will find me. But yeah, I'm on, I'm on all platforms. Awesome. And I know, um, and you're open to taking questions from people if they, if they want to contact you. And <gasps> I love talking to people. Yeah. Especially artists and, and young artists in particular. I think we both have a passion for that, trying to help younger artists navigate the rather treacherous waters. <laughs> well, we do. And I think this comes back to my teaching because, you know, I, I obviously making music and working with the people I do is, is a, a kind of a soul moment for me. But I also consider it quite selfish you know, because mm. it's my music, you know, so there's a huge part of me that's very uncomfortable with that. So right. I, I'm happier in some respect as a, as a person helping other people <laughs> because yeah. that's, that's not selfish. That's about other people because actually I, you know, I much prefer <laughs> to help other people than myself, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I mean, I like to think I'm, I'm pretty much like that. And no, I try to be anyways. I, not, I don't always succeed, but I try. <laughs> no, you're amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. Likewise. So hopefully I'll get to London soon. Um, obviously things are still a little bit in flux, but um, I look forward to hanging out with you. We always have great chats and our, yeah. our Subway sandwich uh, midnight um, session eating sessions. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds funny, I know, but it's a funny. There's there's a subway at the O2 uh, tube stop, so I always stop there. That's, I'll explain it. it. It'll make sense later. But um, uh, thank you so much, Fiona. Um, I always enjoy chatting with you, and and you know, like we always. I think I feel like I always learn something when I talk with you, which is which is great. That's something I really enjoy. No, oh, no, thank you so much. And honestly, I've always, you know, I can't even remember when we first met, but. I, I really. <laughs> it's actually funny because I was trying to think about that too. Yeah. I guess it must have been. It must have been through um, maybe through Nigel. I don't remember exactly. Well, no, because I think I knew you before Nigel. Because I'm sure Nigel said to me something. Oh, that's true, you. actually, because right, because he saw he watched our interview. Yeah. You know? So I don't. I don't. I don't know how we first. <laughs> anyway, well, it's. We'll have to figure that out. <laughs> I, I have figured that out. But, but honestly, whenever it was since we first met and worked together, you are you know, you are amazing, and I I do. Oh, well, thank you very much. Not Likewise. everything you do for me, but everything you do for everyone else. So, no, thank well, you. I try, and I, I try to have fun and, and and shine light on people that um that should have the light shined on them. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of my that's <laughs> kind of my personal motto. Yeah. But uh, thank you so much, and everybody, please find Fiona's um, albums. They're kind of everywhere, and I love your production style. I love you know that's the albums have a really um, it's a smoky jazz club vibe, which I love. Um, it harkens back to classic jazz, but also modern. It's a really nice, neat mix and, and some world music thrown in too. So I encourage everybody to please find your albums and check out your music. Um, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll talk to you soon. You can follow us on all major podcast outlets at Music Matters with Daryl Craig Harris. Thanks for joining us and catch you next time.